invite your attention to 1 Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter three. One line in that hymn that we sang was trust thy wisdom. Me to guide. So let's look at this account that will play that little line out. 1 Kings chapter 3. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, And took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in the high places because there was no house built under the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon... The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give thee? And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee, And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out. Or come in, and thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? <clears throat> and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, 
Neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. (coughs) Behold, I have done according to thy works. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there is none like thee before thee. Neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, Then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house." And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. She arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thy handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living son is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be divided. 
mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First chapter of 1 Corinthians. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sothenes, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place are Place called upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of, of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I, w- that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because of the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men, 
For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Greetings in Jesus' name. I've played some chess. It's been a while. One thing I've learned that chess is quite a bit different than Checkers or shoots and ladders. If I was going to search out someone to teach me and help me to improve my chess game, which I would need a lot of that, I would be seeking out the phone number of Magnus Carlson. Magnus Carlson lives in Norway. I know very little about him, but a little bit. He's an intriguing guy to me because he's about a five-time world chess champion. And in my mind, of all things to be a champion of, a chess game would be somewhat low on the wow factor. Just not so long ago, there was some sort of tournament. I don't even remember what it was. I just read just a tiny bit about it, but different countries had their chess teams. And like one team would be back here, and there would be five or six guys, and then on the other side, another country's team would be there, and there would be chess boards in front of each one of them. And they was doing this championship thing, uh, country to country. This is big time stuff. And one thing that struck me, As I read about that here a few months ago, it said when Magnus Carlsen walks in the room, it's like everybody just kind of stops and looks. And some even commented that I actually got to talk to him. Because he is the chess champion. We've had held before us this morning that life is very much like a chess game. It's not shoots and ladders. It's not candy land. It takes strategy. 
It takes thinking. You all know, all of you know that. I don't care how old you are, if you've lived any life at all, you know that how I move this piece is going to affect everything else about all the other pieces. And you also know that if you don't play carefully, eventually you will get checkmated and you are out. It's been very reassuring to me, Brother Jesse, your opening has been that if what the Lord has laid on my heart, and I want to lay, <clears throat> I just want to share a little bit about where I'm at and the nature of where we're going today. Um, one is... I feel like life is a chessboard. It is complicated, actually. Different things do different uh, actions, and it takes strategy. It takes thinking. It takes it takes planning ahead. Maybe not one, two, six, or eight, or nine moves possibly. And when we get it all planned out, then our opponent makes another move. We go, oh, that's not going to work. So we got to strategize again. You you get that? I, I like that picture, Jesse. Thank you for that. And that's just life. We all understand that. That we're in the middle of this big thing called life and it's a chessboard and we're trying to figure it out how to, how to, to, um, make it happen. And many times we just don't. We feel like we're sitting across from Magnus Carlsen. It's like we're trying to win this guy. I only read uh, about two years ago, I, I read, or a year ago maybe, that, that there was one little 16-year-old guy from somewhere that actually beat him. But it was just kind of a one-time thing. So where I'm at today is this. I come in desperate need this morning. I'm just going to tell you that. I'm just going to be frank with you and very upfront. Um, this is not a meeting of Candyland today. In my heart, it's it's a chessboard would fit it much much better in my own heart. And and where I'm at is I feel desperately so the need to be taught today. So so whether. Whether you enter into the need of, 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 um, the magnitude or whatever that I am, I don't know. I, I, I've lived life long enough to know that, that life is just full of these changing things that God is calling us or life is calling us to make the next move. Uh, whether it's Jesse and Katie talking about how they're going to raise their children or whether it's you doing whatever you're doing or whatever it is. We all have to plan ahead and somehow decide how we're going to make the next move. And many times we just have to say, I don't know. Does anybody have Magnus Carlson's number? So that's where I'm at. Today I would just like to let God talk. I really, that is the desire of my heart, 
I want to be the taught and not the teacher. I, I feel like I am absolutely at the wrong spot today. So, so what we're going to do today as we, as we go through what the Lord has laid on our heart is we're going to do a good bit of reading. Uh, it's a little unique to my style of preaching. But we're going to do that. And because I just want the Lord to speak to my heart. And, and He's already got a really good start. Brother, thank you. Because the reality is that this is a, a game of strategy. It's a game of faith. It's a, it's a game that's not for the faint of heart. It's not child's play. And we understand that how we move is going to affect the next thing and maybe the next generation or, or maybe the, uh, my church district or it's going to maybe check, affect my business or whatever it may be. It just goes on and on and on like Jesse said. And before long we got to think about... Uh, I, I just appreciated his his word, just simply um, seeking wisdom to prioritize. <clears throat> so, so I I was blessed today. Um, the text title, and this is simply a part of a verse that we're planning to cover, is this: wisdom is the Principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. I don't know where you're at, but right now there's just been a cry in my heart that has been almost daily for several weeks. I'll just be real frank with you about. A couple weeks ago, I called Todd. I said, Todd, we need to meet. And we met. As I remember, I told Todd, I said, here's where I'm at, brother. He said, the Bible says this. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, or upbraideth not, and will give to all men liberally. I'm not getting the whole quote. We're going to get there after a while. That's just what I told Todd as we started talking. I said, brother, I just need some wisdom. That's what I need. And I think I quoted that verse. I'm still there. Um, so, so today, that's, the topic is that. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. I will go ahead and just give you my outline and then we'll sing a song. And my outline is just this, and it's just kind of a revolving outline. It's just seven questions that I have that I just feel like the Bible has some answers for. And as we're looking at our chessboard, each one of you, you're looking at your chessboard, and, and I'm just going to invite you today, maybe I'll do it right now, I'm just going to invite you to take that one thing, whatever it is, maybe it's more than one, that one thing that right now you're thinking about, and you've been praying about, and you're crying to God about, because you're really not sure what the next move is. 
I'm just inviting you to just let that come into your heart right now. And just ponder it. And I'm inviting you to let God let you see it. And let's try to work through that together a little bit. In your own heart, I've got my own thing. And maybe a couple of them, I don't know. But I'm just simply saying that that just acting like they're not there and wishing they would go away or whatever is not the answer. The answer is to get Magnus Carlson's number and say, help me out. Seven questions. Number one, what would I ask for? Question number one, what would I ask for? And this is all about wisdom. Question number two, what is it? I think it's a good question. It's a question I have. What is it? Question number three, where does it come from? The Bible gives us answers to these. Question number four, why would I want it? Question five, what does she have to say? Question six, who is wisdom? Who is wisdom? Question seven, what are its characteristics? Let's sing hymn number 181, because today we're going to look at the Bible. We're going to take a kind of a long journey in the Bible. We invite you to go along with us. Uh, Jesse's already hit a couple of the chapters we're going to go to, and I praise the Lord for that, brother. I do. It's exciting to me. I'll just tell you. It's exciting. I'll line all three of these verses, and then we'll sing them. This is just called, you remember the first hymn we sang was Trusting in Jesus. And one of those was we're going to trust His wisdom to guide us. Now here we're looking into the Bible and it says, Great God, with wonder and with praise on all Thy works I look, but still Thy wisdom, power, and grace shine brightest in Thy book. Here are my choicest treasures hid. Here my best comfort lies. Here my desires are satisfied. And here my hopes arise. Lord, make me to understand Thy law. Show what my faults have been. And from the Gospel, let me draw the pardon of my sin. So we'd like to go back to 1 Kings 3. To start out a little bit, this man Solomon, it was just really sort of a simple little thing. God says, Solomon, all I want you to do is just be king over this people. 
And it's just, it's just a people that's without number and multitude, and, and it's even, they're, they're just like dust of the earth. But that's all I want you to do, Solomon, is just be the king. Right. So that's the burden that the Lord laid on Solomon's heart. And God asked this amazing question here in chapter 5, and, and it was in a dream here, or in verse 5, I mean, excuse me. It says, Solomon, what would you ask of me? And the question that, that I'm asking you is, what would you answer? What would you ask God for? If He gave you the opportunity to say, make your request, what would it be? I think it's a challenging, it's a provoking question. It's one I've wrestled with my own heart. Of, of all the things, and it, the chapter goes through all kinds of stuff. The Lord, He mentions all kinds of things. Uh, but all Solomon asked for in chapter 9, well, I just want to pick up verse 7. And, and this is Solomon responding to that. He says, Now, O Lord my God, Thou hast made Thy servant king instead of David my father. And notice what he says. But I, Lord, God, I, he says, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just a little child. I don't even know how to go out. I don't even know how to come in. And you're asking me to do this? You see what he's got? He's got this chessboard. He says, Now, Solomon, I want you to just take the next move. So I mean, how to play this game? God said, "Yeah, you're right." Here's what Solomon asked for, verse nine. Here's what I want, God. Give thy servant an understanding heart. And I just want you to start paying attention to words. We're going to read quite a few of them today. But we hope to highlight some and just, it's just my own heart. I just, it's like God saying, I want you to understand and look at what Solomon asked for. And all the while we're doing this, I want you to be looking into your heart and saying, what will you ask for? He says, all I want is an understanding heart. We're not going to spend hardly any time in defining words, but I just want to say that the tenor of the word, this word understand and another word discern later on is simply hearing. Give me a hearing heart. And that's key. We're going to hit more on that in a little bit. Give me an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? What he's saying is, I can't do it. Lord, that's why. Just give me something from heaven that I may be able to do this. And God was quite pleased. We're all familiar with the story. I'm not going to spend much time here. I'd like to go to Second Chronicles chapter 1, the very same account, and just look at a couple uh, tidbits there. Second <clears throat> Chronicles chapter 1. So this is the very same, it's just basically, if you're familiar with Kings and Chronicles, many of them is the very same stories told, almost the same words and so on. <clears throat> so in verse 7, it's again in the night, Solomon, or God asked Solomon, uh, what, 
what I shall give thee. He just, he just asked that question. And verse 10 would be, uh, the language here is just slightly bit different. Here's what Solomon says as he answered that question that we're asking ourselves. What would I ask for? And this is what Solomon asked for. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I, might go, that I might go out and come in. Remember in chapter uh, in Kings there, he said, I, I'm like a child. I don't even know how to go out and come in. Now he's, he's responding to God and saying, would you please teach me how to go out and come in? I'm not going to get into what all that means because I'm not even sure. Uh, among this people, for who can judge this so this thy people, that is so great. And, and in this chapter, I think he mentions them to be like the, even the dust of the earth. There were so many. So that's what Solomon asked for. He just said, Lord, of all the things that I possibly could ask for, and there would be a myriad of them, I'll take wisdom. What would you ask for? Proverbs chapter 1. To Proverbs or Solomon, asked for wisdom. We might say, "What is that?" And that's a good question. That is a good question. And I'm not going to give you. Secular definitions, I'm just going to let the Bible talk to us. That's the goal of the day. Let the Bible tell us. Proverbs 1, we're at point 2 now. What is it? Jesse's already read basically the verses that I wanted. We're going to reread them. In Proverbs 1, we start reading at verse 1, and these are the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. So this is that man that we read about who seen himself as a little child, as one who didn't even know how to go out or come in, and God said, Okay, Solomon, here's the board. Take your move. He's done that to every one of you. He said, Okay, Whoever you are, here's the board. Take your move. Just remember, every move has consequences. You see, it's a game of strategy. Solomon said, I want wisdom. Why did he ask for that? 
The book of Proverbs is an interesting book. The Proverbs, as such, don't actually start until chapter 10, I believe it is. And that's when actually the Proverbs start. But chapters 1 through 9 is simply Solomon sort of like talking to his son, if you will. And so it's kind of a a rolling discussion that kind of continues on. And there's one key topic that Solomon is presenting, and that is wisdom. That's why we're going to look at some of these scriptures. Chapter 1, verse 2. Or The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, and to perceive the words of understanding. Notice these, the language he's saying. I, I want to perceive something. Uh, because, because I've got to make a move here and I don't know what it is. Number, verse three. Notice what he's saying. To receive. Remember we highlighted the word here and we're going to highlight that some more. To receive instruction of wisdom. Now, now the, the segment we're at now is what is it? And I want you to look at and pay attention to the descriptive words that we're going to read here. It defines itself. Uh, we're not going to spend any time defining these words. You can do that if you want. But here's what he says. Uh, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtly to the simple. Uh, I think we'll find we're going to read it here after a while that the word prudence would fit in there. And I will just spend a, a moment on that word because I think it fits uh, our opening very well. Prudence, it's a little bit different than wisdom in the fact that it is looking ahead and it's trying to take uh, information that we presently have and trying to decide how to apply it to affect what's coming down the road. Let's move on. To give subtly to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. You see all these words that's popping out? The question is, what is wisdom? That's what it is. A wise man will what? He will hear. You remember what God said? Ask me. A wise man will hear and will increase in learning. That's part of it. Uh, folks, if we don't know how to play chess, we're hosed. We're done. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. It's like this man is not, uh, we're going to develop this, he's not wise in his own thinking. It's just like he is wise because he is able to receive counsels. That's why I called Todd the other day. I said, Todd, I think you're a wise man. I need to have a little breakfast with you. Thank you, brother, for doing that. And verse 6, and to understand a proverb and the interpretation thereof and words of the wise and so on. Verse 7, I want to highlight this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, 
But fools just simply despise wisdom and instruction. So it gives a fairly clear clarity there that, that if you're not interested in wisdom and being wise, you're a fool. You ever notice how the Bible just don't beat around the bush sometimes? Let's go to chapter 2. We're still talking about what is it? Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge, notice that, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, notice what he says, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. You see, we want to know what Magnus Carlson's number is. Because he is the five-time world champion. What the Bible is saying is, if you want to know what your next move is, call God. What he's saying here is we understand the fear of the Lord. If we have the fear of the Lord, then we understand that, that he's God and I'm not. <clears throat> Point number three. Where does it come from? So we need wisdom. We understand that it's all those things we read. Discretion and understanding and judgment and equity and, and discernment and all those things. And, and, and it's just like in this big chessboard, this chessboard of life that we need, we kind of need some of that, don't we? You all know it. I know it. So we have discovered at least a little bit of what it is. So where does it come from? Verse 6. Chapter 2. Proverbs. For the Lord giveth wisdom. There is a source for wisdom and it is of the Lord. The Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He speaks it. He talks it. You know, Jesse talked about prayer, and I appreciate that. Uh, We may talk about that a little bit more. I don't know. Today, the exercise we're doing is we're opening this Scripture and letting God talk to us. That, brother and sister and fellow traveler and fellow chess player, is essential. We read on. 
He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. This is talking about the Lord now. This little piece we're looking at is talking about the Lord. He gives understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom, what? For the righteous. It's that righteous man that's going to ask him for it. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of the saints. Who is that? That's the Lord. That's what He's doing and that's what wisdom will do. It will show us what the right move is. It will show us which one to move. Do I, do I move the castle or, or do I take the knight and go over here? Uh, which one is it? Or does, should the bishop go zipping across at an angle? I don't know which one it is. But wisdom will say, this is it. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity. Yea, every good path. <clears throat> for when wisdom, we're in verse 10 now, for when wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, Then he says, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee to deliver thee from the way of the evil man and from the speaking, or from the man that speaketh froward things. And there's a great big long sentence that follows that wisdom will keep you from. You see, the last thing we want to do is make a move. And by the way, boom! Our peace gets knocked off the board. Point number four. Point one was, what would I ask for? That's a question that we'll take home with you. Number two, what is it? What is wisdom? We've discovered that a bit. Where does it come from? We understand that it's got a source. Solomon knew what that source was. He knew where it came from, and now we do too. It's from the Lord. Question number four, why would I want it? Why would I want wisdom? We're going to go to chapter 3. We'll start reading at verse 13. And you'll probably discover, and maybe you already have, we're not hitting all the wisdom parts through these Scriptures. We're just kind of skipping along, if you will. Why would I want it? Verse 13 of chapter 3. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says the man that gets this is going to be happy. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the game thereof than fine gold. If you want to make an investment, brothers and sisters and fellow travelers, if you want to make a a worthy, worthwhile investment, invest in wisdom. 
That's what the Bible is saying. He's comparing it. Why do we have such an affinity for, for money and gain and stuff, you know? Uh, we didn't even read it there, but, but God, uh, He said, because you didn't ask for all that stuff, guess what? I'm going to give it to you. And you all know about Solomon. He had quite a batch of it, didn't he, brothers? And he didn't even ask for it. It's a pretty good investment, wouldn't you say? And that's what the Bible's telling us. That's what the Bible is trying to teach us today and trying to teach me today. Invest in it. That's why you should want it. <clears throat> I want you to notice something between verse 14 and verse 15, and this is a highlight point that I want you to notice. From verse 14 to now verse 15, the way that Solomon is presenting wisdom changes. It goes from it to she. So what he has done, he is impersonating wisdom. It's second person language. He's going to talk about wisdom not as an it, but now he's going to talk about wisdom as a she. So it's not first person, it's second person. That's vital. But let's read on. She is more precious than rubies and all things that thou canst desire and are not to be compared and all things thou canst desire are not even to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand is riches and honor. We've seen that play out in Solomon's life. This is like, why wouldn't we want to ask God for wisdom? But the problem is, if that's our motive for asking it, we're probably not going to get it. The motive for asking for it is so we know what the next move is on our chessboard. Magnus. What do I do? God. Where do I go from here? I didn't see this coming. I've never experienced this before. You've all been there. So God puts you here and says, you do the next move. I'll admit sometimes it's frustrating, isn't it? Sometimes it's flat out frustrating. Let's read on. Why would I want it? Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. Why would I not want it? Let's read on. She is a tree of life. Notice that phrase right there. It's going to develop into something very pertinent as we go along. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. It's one that, that they get it and they retain it. Uh, they put it to use in their life. Uh, the Lord, by wisdom, hath founded the earth, and by understanding hath established the heavens. <clears throat> We're just going to hop to verse 21. I just want to keep... Keep cruising along here as much as we can. 
Verse 21 of chapter 3. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. And here he defines what the them is. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Keep them. Don't let them depart. Uh, again, I think you probably all have some idea what discretion is. It's a part of wisdom. <clears throat> The point we're making is, why would I want it? Let's listen to what the Bible tells. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Notice this. Then shalt thou walk in the way safely. And thy foot shall not stumble. You see, with wisdom, he'll tell you which piece to move. And where to move it to at the right time to do it. That will affect this and may change that. That may affect generations or, or whatever it may be. I don't know. What, it just may affect your business or it may affect your marriage or it may affect your family. It, it's foolish for me to even start going down those trails. You've got your thing. And I've got mine. And you can apply this to it. Let's read on. <clears throat> When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. How many times, brother and sister and fellow traveler, have you just shook in your shoes and don't even know which way to go because you're afraid if I do that, that'll happen. If I'm afraid if I do that, that'll happen. And I don't know which way to go. But the Bible says that with wisdom from God, we don't have to be afraid. You see... Faith is just woven in through this thing. You've already got that, I'm sure. Let's read on. Yea, and thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. I'll just tell you right now, I've had more sleepless nights recently than I care to even admit. And I have to look at the Bible and say, why? I have to look at the Bible and say, why? Lord, just speak to me right now. Verse 25. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked, when it cometh. For the Lord, notice, shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Let's go to chapter 4. We'll start reading at verse 5. We're still kind of wrapping up here on why would I want it. Chapter 4, verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. This is the Bible talking. This is not uh, some weird man that finally ended up crashing and burning. This is the Bible speaking. That's what this is. The Bible says, get wisdom. Get understanding. 
Forget it not, neither decline thine ears from the words of my mouth. Notice this still, uh, this is Solomon talking. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Uh, does this sound like something that you would like? Does this sound like something that we would want? That it will preserve, uh, it will preserve thee. <clears throat> Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. This is where I took the the title from. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. With all thy getting, get understanding. I'm going to tell Jesse a little bit. I was talking to him on the phone the other day uh, about this meeting right here. And here's what Jesse said. He said, we are so stupid busy right now. It's ridiculous. He said, we're just like over the top, and, <clears throat> and I want to go into some of the details and some problems that's causing in his life. And I'm just simply saying, with all of our getting, get wisdom. I get it, brother. It's okay. Totally do. With all your getting, get wisdom. <clears throat> Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. <clears throat> She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory, shall she deliver to you. Why would I not want it? What does she have to say? We're going to have to keep moving along. I'd like to go to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs 8, verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places, by the way, in the places of of the paths. And she crieth at the gates, at the entrance of the city, at the coming in of the doors. Unto you, O man, I call. And my voice is to the sons of men. If you'd like to, to, to put some meat to that, it's like at the top of, of Yale University and Harvard and Princeton. That's where she's at. She's saying, hey, I'm here at the, at the head of Dallas Theological Seminary. She's saying, hey, I'm here. At the head of, of an old German Baptist conference, she's saying, hey, I'm here. At the head of Supreme Court, at the, at the capital of the United States, at the, at the court building in Eden, Ohio, she's saying, hey, you I'm here. Do you get the feeling that she's being ignored? The city gates, that's in Solomon's time, that had been where commerce was done. That's where the wise men sat. Things were told. Things were, there was lots of things happened there. And she says, I'm right there going, hey, woohoo, I'm here. Oh, ye simple. Understand wisdom, verse 5. Oh, ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. 
Here, now that, I want you to notice that this is now first person. We, we went, as Solomon personified it, started calling her she, and now it's she talking to us. It's a very unique passage of Scripture, and you ought to spend some more time here in the next two chapters, because if you'd like to understand just the, the ins and the outs and kind of get right into the heart of, of this impersonage that we call wisdom, this is it. She is actually talking to us. That's why we're saying, what does she have to say? Here's what she has to say. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things. I'm in verse 6. And the opening of my lips shall be right things. We can trust it. That's who it is. Uh, for my mouth shall speak truth. Uh, if you just you just draw the, the conclusion that, that possibly other things aren't. But she says, my things that I say will be truth. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. You don't have to worry about that. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. And I'm going to give you a little clue to one of the next sections. Notice the characteristics. Let's read on. They are all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Uh, it's just simply saying there, if you really want it, it'll be clear to you. Because God is, don't have you down here driving in circles and He goes, you idiot. No, He's just simply saying, I want you to call. I know I've got you stretched. Call. Magnus, we need some help. Let's read on. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. There's that word. I dwell there. That is looking ahead. That is sort of strategizing where we're going to go next. And I find out knowledge of witty inventions. I've got verse 13 highlighted in my Bible. I just want to, I want to carefully look at this verse. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It's all one sentence. Colon continues on. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate? Just expose the arch enemy of wisdom. Right there it is. Because a proud man and an arrogant man is not going to be calling out to God saying, what's my next move? And wisdom says, I hate. Counsel is mine. Wisdom's talking to us. And sound wisdom, I am understanding. Notice that. That's who I am. If you want understanding, I am. You call me. 
I have strength. By me, kings reign and princes decree justices. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. You see, you see where this is going. I love them that love me. Verse 17. And those that seek me early shall find me. There's a promise right there. Hang on to that one. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. It's just like he just repeats this over and over again. Then fine gold and my revenue, then choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way before His works of old. And the whole next several verses talks about how wisdom was there present at creation. Key point. Hang on to that one. Wisdom was present at creation. When all this stuff ever came into being, wisdom says, I was there. We're not going to read that. We're going to hop over to verse 32. Now therefore, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Uh, this is wisdom talking to us. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me. Notice that. Watching daily at my gates, waiting at, my, at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Chapter 9. We're just going to start reading at verse 5, because that's where wisdom starts talking again. She saith to him at the end of verse 4, Come, there's an invitation now, eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Notice that. Another key to a future point here. Forsake the foolish and live. Go in the way of understanding. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. But notice, rebuke a wise man, he's going to love you. That's a characteristic of a wise man. Um, give instruction to a wise man, he will yet be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Highlight this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Simply what he is saying there is, I am God, and you are not. Who is wisdom? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Solomon has been gradually personifying wisdom, and even in chapter 8, wisdom itself or herself talked to us. We would just like to consider a little bit here, who is wisdom? And, and I'm not going to spend any time with the first part of this. All I know is that the people at Corinth were just 
They were kind of like, uh, it was a little political thing going. They were rallying about their favorite guy and all this. And, and Paul was just, he was just kind of ticked off about all that. And here's what he says in verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And what I would like for you to do is notice that as we make our way down to finding out who is wisdom, that notice there's various kinds of wisdom that Paul talks about here in this chapter. And you'll just notice them. It'll explain itself. Not with, here's one, wisdom of words. He said, I'm not coming to you with wisdom of words. Lest the cross of Christ should be of none effect. For preaching of the cross of them that perished is foolishness. To us it's the power of God. Uh, and here he quotes from Isaiah, I will destroy, notice, the wisdom of the wise. And we're saying, oh, wait a minute, you're kind of talking against yourself here, aren't you? But he'll, he'll, he'll explain that. He's going to make it very clear, and you're probably all familiar with this anyways. Uh, here's the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Uh, where is all this? Um, <clears throat> hath not God made foolish the what? Wisdom of this world? There it is. That's a very defining verse right there of what wisdom of words and... and um, what was the other one? Wisdom of words and wisdom of the wise. Uh, it has its starting place, and we're going to get to that. It's called wisdom of the world. So there is a wisdom that is not of God. We already get that clue. For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. That's just typical of Greeks in Bible and, and even history. They're just, um, they're, they're, they're so interested in, in wisdom and and uh, astrology, and I forget that there's another word I was looking for, and I can't remember right now, but, but there's Greek writings that have affected the course of mankind for years. That's just kind of the Greek nature. But we preach Christ crucified. It's foolishness under the Greeks. You know why? It doesn't make sense. Is there very much out of this gospel that really makes sense? Verse 24. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Who is it? Christ. Made to be the power of God and the wisdom of God. Years ago, in one of my older Bibles, right there at the heading of, of Proverbs 8, I had Jesus wrote there. Some preacher somewhere along the way said, this is Jesus talking. And I get it. I can understand that. Because it's first person. Who is wisdom? Jesus is. Let's read on. Because the foolishness of God is simply wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men. It's just like he's using this paradox going on here. He said, if there was anything such 
called uh, foolishness with God, or if there is anything called weakness, uh, he's saying that, that uh, it would be actually stronger than the strongest of men. He's pitting heavenly wisdom against earthly wisdom. That's what he's doing. He's saying there's no comparison. God's chosen foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things to confound the things that are mighty and so on as this chapter wraps up. And the reason he did that um, is so that verse 29 would not happen. And that is, he's doing all that that no flesh should glory in his presence. You ever wonder why God puts you at a strategic place on the board and says, pick your next move. And you're going, I don't know whether you're forward or backward or crossways or down or what. I don't know. Except I become as a child. God will not have flesh glory in His presence. He won't. In all my questions of why, why God? Now, I've had plenty of them. I think the reason is, so you depend on me. I'm not going to spend any time in chapter 2. I thought I would, but I won't. We'll just go to the last point. What are its characteristics? I'd like to go to James chapter 3. As we wrap up. By the way, you're making any headway on the answer to your first question? God has asked you anything you want. How's that going? What are some of the characteristics? The Bible's not silent about this. We read, I know we was kind of hurried there, that, that there's wisdom that, that of men and so on. Well, this, this amplifies 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 in an amazing way in just a few verses. Verse 13, James 3. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? He's asking a question. Who is it? Is it you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now, the focus right now is let's look at the characteristics of wisdom. In other words, what's the characteristics of a wise man? 
One clue we have is it says meekness. Here's what he says. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts. Bitterness, envying, and strife. He said, if that is what you see, glory not and lie not against the truth. You see what happens? That's where some sort of self-glory starts coming out of that. And you know what Paul said there? God won't have it. In fact, here's what he says, James says. This wisdom descendeth not from above. Now we're clear back to our origins again. He said, if what you're seeing is envying and strife and bitterness... And all that, the Bible, the Word of God says you have to draw this conclusion. That is not of God. Where is it from then? This wisdom descendeth not from above, but it has its birth, it has its breeding, It has its growth and it has its fruit from down here. Flesh. Earth. He says, here's what it is. It is sensual. It appeals to the senses. It's natural would be another word. And here's what he says. It is of the devil. This is staggering words. This is sober stuff. This is something, church, that we better reckon with. And you better reckon with. It has consequences that may not play well on your board. Magnus, what is your number? For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. You notice what James did? He just took it all and just put it in a big lump. And he just said, every evil work. Evil work. And you know what evil work can do to families, businesses, churches, you name it. Destroy them. Checkmate, you're off the board. But, the wisdom that is from above is first pure. We've already heard her say that. You don't have to worry about that. 
The words that come out of my lips are pure. Why? Who is wisdom? It's Jesus. Then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. You, you get the picture. I'm not going to describe all this. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. Without partiality. And without hypocrisy. That's its characteristics. You watch your man. And you judge him by that. You watch your leader. And you judge him by that. You watch your politician. You watch your teacher. You look at the podcast and who you're listening to. You investigate the author of the book that you like. You investigate the sermon that you think is so cool. See how it lines up. It has impact on your next move. Friday, I was walking back from the mailbox. We got a long lane, and it was just a beautiful day. Friday, one of those days, it's just so refreshing. And some of those days, I just like to take that walk and just... Most of the time, people see my arms up, and I'm just like, Lord, just praying, or worshiping, or praising, or crying, or whatever it may be that day, and just, so I went to the mailbox, and I just on my way back, and just the beauty of the clouds, and I just was just like, wow, so cool, and I looked up, and I seen a soaring bird, it wasn't an eagle, and it wasn't a buzzard, so I'm presuming it was some sort of a hawk, it was just soaring. Just one of those days. I just thought that is what I want. Jesus, you told me that if I would wait on you, that I wouldn't faint and I wouldn't fall out by the way. You told me in the Bible. There was a promise in the Bible, and I'm claiming it today, that if I wait on you, that is what I can be. You ever realize how we dumb down promises in the Bible? You ever realize that? We just dumb them down. We just say, oh, yeah, that's... I'm going to give you one last promise before I sit down. It's in James chapter 1. And I just thought of this verse. As I was looking at that, 
eagle or hawk or whatever it was. James 1 verse 5 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now here's the promise. Right, not there yet, excuse me. Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. That sums up the whole text, the whole hour we've been here, right there. And upbraideth not. What he's saying is, is he's not going to chasten you for asking. He's not going to look at you and go, what kind of a dork are you? He's not going to do that. What's the promise? And it shall be given to him. I don't know about you. I am hanging on. 